Welcome to episode 18 in Revelation, an idealist interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. If you have not already viewed episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology in Revelation, I urge you to do so since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding Revelation and this series. Owing to the length of the chapter and the commentary necessary to explain it, I have divided discussion of chapter 13 into two parts, beginning with verses 1 through 10. Chapter 13 is the second of three chapters in Act 1 of the Divine Drama, a system of organizing the second half of Revelation, and which I discussed in episode 17. In the opening verse of chapter 13, John is still on earth. I stood on the sand of the sea, in verse 1, looking to heaven, presumably the same seashore on which the angel placed his left foot in Revelation 10, verse 2. The illustration, John dictating Revelation, is a 15th century Italian fresco in the Greek style at Manathos, Greece. I have divided the reading of chapter 13 into three parts, the first of which is verses 1 through 4. The illustration for many of the slides in this episode is a detail from the illumination, the beast with seven heads from the Bamberg Apocalypse, an 11th century Revelation manuscript, as used on page 108 in the companion AIC bookstore publication, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Right from verse 1, St. John presents the reader with a highly imaginative chapter, beginning with a variation on Daniel's night vision from Daniel 7, verses 2 through 8, which occurred in the first year of King Belshazzar's reign in Babylon. Daniel described four separate beasts, a lion with eagle's wings, a bear with three ribs in its mouth, a leopard with four wings like a bird, and finally, a dreadful and terrible beast with iron teeth 
ten horns, and great strength. The illustration is a detail from an illumination of Daniel in the Menologia and the Basil II, a service book produced at Constantinople at the end of the 10th century or early in the 11th century, named for the reigning Byzantine emperor. In verses 1 and 2a, St. John outdoes Daniel by combining them into a single beast with seven heads, each with a crown, ten horns, and a blasphemous name. The beast is like a leopard, Daniel's third beast, but with feet like a bear, which is Daniel's second beast, and mouth like a lion, Daniel's first beast, but without its wings. Some modern scholars think the seven-headed beast is a composite of all the historical empires from Egypt through Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Old Rome, and New Rome. Another older explanation is that these may represent the seven major Roman emperors, especially those who declared themselves to be gods, such as Caesar Augustus, who built a temple near Pergamos in 29 BC, discussed in episode 5 concerning Revelation 2, verses 12 to 17. Given John's first-hand experience of exile on Patmos and his knowledge of the active persecution of the church by Rome and the context of the rest of the vision, on which I will comment again later, it is more likely that it is the Roman Empire in John's lifetime. In later chapters, Revelation 19, 20, and 21, St. John calls the beast a false prophet. In verse 3 and later in verse 12b, St. John alludes to events in Roman history that lend authority to the interpretation that the beast is the Roman Empire in John's time. In verse 3, he says that one of the beast's ten heads appears to be mortally wounded. Later, in verse 12, he says that the deadly wound is healed. Some scholars suggest that the wound and the healing of the wound is an allusion to the suicide of the emperor Nero in 68 AD when he cut his own throat and the survival of the empire after his death by Vespasian, then by Vespasian's two sons, Titus and Domitian, the latter of whom was assassinated by a member of his staff in 96 AD. It was Domitian who caused St. John to be imprisoned on John was freed only after Domitian's death. Whether interpreted to represent empires or mountains, as in modern historical and literary interpretation, the ten horns in verse 1 are more likely based upon the Old Testament, specifically the fourth beast, described as dreadful and terrible with iron teeth and ten horns in Daniel 7, verses 7 and 8. It is a spiritual image suggesting great strength and power. The blasphemous name mentioned in verse 1b is an allusion to the claim of Roman emperors to be gods. St. John does not state an actual name. 
The intended contrast is between the Roman declaration of deity and the practice of Hebrew temple priests who wore a headband declaring them holy to the Lord and the Christian belief in the one and only God whose Son is Jesus Christ. His point is that the dragon's claims in the verses to follow of superior power and the right to be worshipped are by their nature blasphemous. The statement in verse 2b that the seven-headed beast derives his power, throne, and great authority from the dragon, which is the fiery red dragon from Revelation 12, identified as Satan in Revelation 12 verse 9, represents a world turned upside down in a parody of Hebrew and Christian worship and belief. It contrasts sharply with the image in Revelation 5 verses 12 to 14 of an enthroned lamb standing after appearing to have been slain. Where the church protects the faithful, this beast is empowered to persecute them. The world upside-down parody continues in verse 4, in which St. John records that, quote, all the world marveled and followed the beast, unquote, and, quote, worshipped, unquote, both the beast and the dragon, from whom it derived its power. The world asks, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war against him? This follows the style of the frequent who is questions found in the Gospel of St. Luke. The Old Testament precedents which the two questions parody are several. In the Song of Moses in Exodus 15.11, there is this, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. The illustration is Moses receiving the commandments from the Bible of Patrice Leon, a Byzantine manuscript produced around 920 AD from the collection of the Vatican Library. Another precedent is this from Psalm 86, verse 8 and verse 10b. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord. There is not one that can do as thou doest. Thou art God alone. And finally, Psalm 77, verses 13b and 14a. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. The psalm texts are from the Book of Common Prayer. The illustration for this and the next slide is an illumination, David receiving Psalm 77 from a 15th century Psalter made in Florence, Italy from the collection at the British Library, London, England. And this from Psalm 89, verses 6 and 7. For who is he among the clouds that shall be compared unto the Lord? And what is he among the gods that shall be like unto the Lord? A New Testament precedent is Revelation 12, verse 7, 
the account of the war in heaven fought by St. Michael and his angels, discussed in episode 17. The name Michael in Hebrew means who is like God. The archangel Michael is mentioned in Daniel 10, verse 13, and 12, verse 1, and is also mentioned in Enoch, chapter 9, verse 1, and chapter 10, verse 11. In our own time, a similar reversal of roles, with Satan ascendant, can be seen in C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, an exchange of letters between Wormwood, who is Satan, and his associate Screwtape. The illustration is the central detail of an illumination of Michael in the Menologian of Basil II mentioned earlier. The second reading from chapter 13 is verses 5 through 10. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for forty-two months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. The world upside-down parody of Hebrew and Christian worship continues in verses 5 and 6 when the narrative says he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. He is given permission to do so for 42 months, another use of the magical symbolic number. Forty-two months is the same as three and one-half years, or 1,260 days, both terms used several times earlier in Revelation and illustrated in detail in the Primer on Numerology in Episode 2. Forty-two months signifies something temporary or incomplete, implying that it will not last, that relief is coming. This is the broad meaning of here is the patience and the faith of the saints in verse 10b. In verses 5 to 8, two Old Testament precedents are turned upside down. The first is Psalm 1, the two-way psalm. Instead of the godly-ungodly contest or righteous versus unrighteous contest, in which the godly side or righteous side is ascendant, the ungodly forces of the fiery red dragon who is Satan and the beast with seven heads prevail for 42 months, able to insult the righteous and blaspheme the name of God, and as St. John says in verse 7a, make war with the saints and overcome them. The second precedent is the Hebrew tradition that the name of God, Yahweh, or Jehovah in the King James translation, cannot be spoken. In Hebrew scrolls used in the temple, the Tetragrammaton YHWH 
was substituted as a placeholder for his name and was never spoken. The worship tradition of both Hebrews and Christians is reversed in direct violation of the first and second commandments in Exodus 20 verses 2, 3, and 4. When In verse 8, when the unfaithful inhabitants of earth, that is, those whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, worship the beast and by implication the dragon from whom he derives power and authority. For the fifth time in Revelation, the earlier uses being 5-9, 9-9, 10-11, and 11-9, St. John refers to tribes or kindred in the King James, nations and tongues, indicating universality. The book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world in verse 8 has both Old Testament and New Testament precedents. John uses the term six times in Revelation. The earliest Old Testament precedent for a book of names is Exodus 32, verse 32, in which God said to Moses, Yet now, if you will forgive their sin which he refers to the making of the golden idol. But if not, I pray, blot me not out of your book, which you have written. Malachi refers to a book of remembrance of the faithful in Malachi 3.16. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. The illustration is a circa 1310 A.D. oil on panel by Duzio di Bonizena. In the New Testament, Jesus spoke to the returning 70 of such a book in Luke 10, verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. John will develop the theme of the little book more extensively in Revelation 20, verse 12, verse 15 in Revelation 21, verse 27, and in Revelation 22, verse 19. The illustration is Christ Pantocrator, a 6th century tempera and gold on panel icon of Christ at St. Catherine Monastery, Sinai, Egypt. Reassurance is offered the faithful in verse 9 and verse 10. If anyone has an ear, let him hear an allusion to the phrase used by Jesus in the same context in Matthew 11, 15, 13, 9, and 13, 43, and which had been used by St. John seven previous times in Revelation in the words spoken by Jesus in the letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor in chapter 2, verse 7, 11, 17, and 29, and in chapter 3, verses 6, 13, and 22. Verse 10, concerning captivity and death by the sword, is a literary allusion to Jeremiah 15, verse 2. And it shall be, if they say to you, Where should we go? Then you should tell them, Thus says the Lord, such as are for death to death, such as for the sword to the sword, and such as for the famine to the famine, and such as are for the captivity to the captivity. 
The illustration is an 18th century icon of Jeremiah from the iconostasis at Kiji Monastery in the Karelia region of northwestern Russia. When taken in context with verse 11, here is the patience and faith of the saints, it provides a clue to the meaning. Whatever happens will be in accordance with God's plan, but in the end, after 42 months, there shall be relief. Thank you for joining me for episode 18 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Next time in episode 19, the focus is on part 2 of chapter 13, verses 11 through 18, the account of the second beast in chapter 13, the beast with two horns. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode are from the AIC companion bookstore publication, Revelation and Idealist Interpretation. The first half of chapter 13 includes on page 108 a full-size version of the richly detailed early 11th century illumination, The Beast from the Sea with Seven Heads from the Bamberg Apocalypse. My primer on numerology in Revelation is found on pages 7 to 11. From the writing prophets of the Old Testament, the major prophet Jeremiah is discussed in part 2, chapter 2, pages 21 to 28, and the major prophet Daniel is discussed in part 2, chapter 4, pages 37 to 58, including the night vision of the four great beasts from the sea on pages 44 and 45. From the layman's lexicon, words and phrases of interest for this episode are angels slash archangels, blasphemy, church, commandments, heaven, lamb of God, numerology, pentocrator, prophet slash prophecy, Satan, temple, worship, and YHWH. From the prayer book Psalter, history text, and commentary, Psalm 1, a psalm of David, commonly known as the two-way psalm, is printed and discussed on pages 1 to 2. Psalm 77, one of the songs of the sons of Asaph, is found on pages 178 to 179. Psalm 86 and Psalm 89, both psalms of David, are found on pages 199 to 200 and 206 to 209, respectively. The key to accessing everything produced by the Anglican Internet Church is available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, where we've made it easier for you to learn about Christian education, doctrine, worship, and study using your preferred way of learning. You can watch our Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series using the links on either the digital library or Bible study pages. If you prefer listening, you can listen to the podcast versions of any of our videos using the links on the podcast archive page or to our podcast homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer using the links on the podcast homilies page. If you prefer written works, you can access any of the 17 AIC bookstore publications, all but one available in both paperback and Kindle editions, using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage. 
or directly using my Amazon Author Central page, https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Everything after dot com must be in lowercase letters. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog page at www.anglicaninternetchurch accessible through the Father Ron's blog tab at the top or the bottom of any page on the site. By clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend, you'll be invited to register your email address and receive notice of all new postings. Please be assured that we do not share subscriber information with any other organization, and you can ask for the removal of your address at any time. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website, and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.